Welcome to This Week in Colerain Cardinals Athletics here on the all-new WeAreColerain.com and ESP Media powered by Sidearm Sports. I'm Jason Griefer. We're back once again with Colerain Athletic Director Craig Euland and once again by Assistant Athletic Director Mike Wiseman, both gentlemen joining us here today. Guys, let's get right into it. And uh, one of the big big events that took place over the last week uh, for Colerain was the Cardinal Classic, bo- boys bowling team in action uh, there. So uh, kind of take us through how all that went there out of Colerain Bowl, as we've talked about it here on the show, it's right. It's a stone's throw from Colerain High School, so you're very familiar and have a good relationship there. Uh, how did the event, the event run logistically behind the scenes, putting it all together there out of Colerain Bowl? And then secondly, uh, how did the Cardinals fare out there on the lanes? Craig, I'll start with you. Okay, yeah, the uh, tournament was a huge success uh, in large part uh, to our two head coaches who do a lot of the planning behind the scenes. But uh, it also couldn't be done without the parent support and the volunteers. Uh, we have uh, in the past, the tournament has been a one day event with boys and girls competing on the same day this year because of COVID. It was split into two. So we had the girls on Saturday, the boys on Sunday, uh, the boys parents helped out on Saturday. The girls parents helped out on Sunday um, and it was a huge success. Um, Unfortunately, our girls program is down right now. They're actually uh, coming back today uh, to bowl at Northwest today in a big matchup. <clears throat> but uh, the boys uh, were the only group that got to compete this weekend at, at their tournament. And they were uh, they fared uh, very well, came up just short of winning the tournament. Actually, uh, they, they took second place to Middletown. Mm-hmm. And as you know, Middletown just beat us last week just by a a few pins for first place in the league. So another another big matchup with Middletown came up short, but I think our coaches and our parents and everybody very happy with the second place finish for our boys. Mike, how big of a litmus test can an event like this be where you have so many excellent teams come in from around the area, uh, come in and compete in this Cardinal Classic? How good of a litmus test is that for your bowling team, knowing that the postseason is lurking right around the corner and you may see some of these similar teams again? Well, right. It's, it's, it's always great to get you know, obviously the good competition because it prepares you for those, you know, those mental issues that come around in the tournament time. Um, but to see all those that good talent and then obviously to go up against the team that's winning the GMC, who, you know, probably will get one of the top seeds uh, when it comes to seeding, which is this Sunday uh, for bowling. So, you know, it's always it's always good to see them compete well against them, you know, and, you know, Maybe in the tournament, somebody gets somebody gets a little cold. We get hot. You know, anything can happen when, you know, I just talked to Coach Yuri today, and he said uh, the top two bowlers, their bowler from Middletown, tats up to him, you know, wrote a great game in the finals. And, you know, I think if it's – we get hot, one of our kids gets hot, we I mean, we could – he was he was feeling promising about even, you know, a, a district run, a state run, you know. So it all just kind of depends on when you get rolling. Sometimes if you get hot, somebody gets hot, and – Hopefully we can do that uh, heading into the postseason. Let's talk about basketball and let's start with the boys. Uh, right now, in, in a bit of an extended break, and, and they're not scheduled to be back in action until February the fifth against Lakota East. And then things get really tough because you, right as of now, it's they're scheduled to play seven games in a ten day stretch to to close out the conference season. Uh, Craig, how are how are they working through this extended time off in, in preparation for that final stretch run? Yeah, I mean, right now, unfortunately, they're on a little bit of a break. And, you know, the, the players that are available are practicing every day, but not everybody is available right now. And so they're looking to get back at it next Wednesday. They'll start practice and they'll prepare for Lakota East next Friday. Um, 
you know, you had mentioned the seven games in 10 days. You know, I had several conversations with my coaching staff, several conversations with other athletic directors in the GMC, you know, kind of where does everybody stand with the amount of games in a certain amount of days? And everybody seems to lean towards um, if, you know, if, if we believe that our, that we believe it's healthy, our coaches believe, you know, um, the kids can stay healthy and they can play that many games in a certain amount of days, then we, you know, we, we move forward with that schedule. Uh, a lot of our kids are used to playing multiple games in a day with AAU in the spring and the summertime. Um, the OHSA has permitted schools to play two games in one day, although from a varsity, excuse me, from a varsity standpoint and, you know, within the GMC, I don't think most schools feel comfortable playing two games in one day. Sure. Uh, but having said that, I think we're going to be uh, playing seven and 10 days or 11 days, whatever it is. And I think we're going to be comfortable with that. And, and the, at the end of the day, the kids want to play. And after having two weeks off, they're going to be rested. They're going to be ready to go. Well, and to that point that you said the OHSA allowing two games to be played in one day if necessary, uh, I believe they've also made a made a determination that, similar to football that if your team does get eliminated from the postseason, you can go ahead and and schedule some games if you want to uh, after after the postseason uh, ends. There is that something that's been discussed at this point, or or are we just still focused on what we have in front of us right now? Uh, not, yeah, not really been discussed. I mean, you know, it's in the back of my mind. We've thought about it, but mm-hmm. I think within the past few weeks and in the next coming couple of weeks, there's so much emphasis right now on making sure that we get enough league games scheduled. Yeah. Uh, we've had to ca- cancel a couple of non-league games with our basketball program in order to fit the league games in. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, right now we're just focusing on trying to get as many league games in before the end of the season. Let's move over and talk about the uh, the girls' side of things right now in the league. Uh, they're ten and six overall, seven and four in the in the GMC tie with Sycamore uh, for fourth place right now. Uh, they're going to get Lakota West on Saturday. Your team will and looking for revenge from uh, December the twelfth when Lakota West really kind of took it to you, seventy nine sixty two. Of course, they have one of the one of the stars in the league in Chance Gray, and uh, she had thirty four points in that game. She's up there with Abigail McNally for GMC Player of the Year. Uh, at this point, Mike, let me pose this one to you. In in looking at this game and knowing how talented Chance Gray is, and and how much of the focus will go just on one player, do you look at this as a as a game where you try and limit what she can do, or do you try and do you look, come up from the perspective of we know she's going to get hers, she's going to score a lot of points. Let's try and keep everybody else in check and limit their production, and maybe <laughs> that'll give us the best chance to win. Uh, you know, I actually was at the, the game they played the first time and we had a lead going into the fourth quarter and, you know, special players make special plays. And she decided that game that she just wasn't going to have it and, you know, kind of turned it on in the fourth quarter. Coach Hayes and I talked. I said, man, you had a great game plan. You had everything going great. and You were in the game and all of a sudden she said, not today. So, you know, a special player like that can do that. Um you know, my personal philosophy I, I when I coached was I'm going to make everybody else beat me, uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's based upon the coach and what their kind of philosophy is. Uh, I would always try to try to make sure I could take away that player if I had the capability to take that player away and, you know, let, you know, let it fall where it falls when you try to let the other people, you know, beat you as opposed to letting her beat you. But, you know, basketball is different than soccer. You know, I don't really, really talk about soccer when it comes to that. So, you know, I hope. <laughs> I think Coach Hayes will have him ready to go. You know, obviously he hasn't played inspired ball right now. And 
really playing together and playing good, good defense. And, you know, I, I hope to, I hope them the best. Uh, it'll be, it'll be a great game. Yeah. And to your point with that defense, Craig, let me switch back to you. you know, West scores 79 points uh, in that game. It's been 11 games since that first matchup and your team has not allowed more than 58 points in any, t- any game since that point, that 58 coming to Mason. But I'm looking at some of the results lately, the win over Seton on Monday, you allow 26, the win over Oak Hills, 25, Sycamore, 26, Middletown, 18, Fairfield, 38. It goes on and on and on. Was there some kind of specific message that was delivered to the team after that Lakota West game that seemed to turn their defensive intensity up another notch? Or is this kind of the standard expectation every time out that we're not going to let teams get into even the the 50-point range? Well, I think the message all year long has been, you know, if they can control control the tempo, uh, not turn it over, uh, play good defense and get rebounding. Like I said, I think they're one of the best rebounding teams in the league. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna win some games and they're gonna hold their opponents to low scores. Um, like I said, it's just a matter of controlling the tempo and not turning it over and 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 creating good sh- you know shot opportunities and and they've obviously fared very uh, very well. So. Let's move on. And talk about your academic quiz team here, and they have a big one coming up. Uh, this week and your team right now six and zero in the league. You're going to take on Sycamore. They are six and zero in the league. And and I, I look through the GMC results over the over the years. It's been 15 years since you've beaten Sycamore in the regular season. So a good opportunity here. But your team is playing very very uh, well thus far. You've won all six matches this year by at least 28 points. So really really big wins uh, all the way around. What's their confidence level going into a match? against a school like Sycamore that has been so good in this league for so long, knowing the fact that your team has played so well going into it? Um, I, I, can, I can start there. I think um, I think we talked about it last week. The expectations are there for our quiz team. Uh, they, they had such a great uh, year last year. They knew that without graduating a lot of kids that they were going to have another uh, – they were poised to have another good season this season. And I think, um, you know, Mason, Sycamore, they, they're relatively at the top of the league every year. And, and like you mentioned, they haven't beat Sycamore in 16 years. And I think this is the year that they get it done. Mike, are you on board with that? Get the first win in a long time? Yeah, well, everybody everybody needs that signature win. And, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of turned the tide. At some point, it has to happen. You, you know, you can't be held down forever. So, you know what, I think this might be the year. So. Mike, can you give us a, a kind of a coach's perspective from this aspect? You, you've obviously been a, lo- a long-time soccer coach, so you have some familiarity with a situation like this where your team's off to a good start, you return a lot of players from the year before, and now you go up against the one that has been up there for, for so long. For example, like on like boys soccer, Mason would be the one, and we saw the stunning news seeing Mason's coach uh, stepping aside uh, this week. But that point aside, can you take us from a coach's perspective, how you approach this with your athletes that we know we're good, but we're playing against a team that has been the standard for so long? Yeah, it's, it's, that was, that was always the biggest thing is just to get them to believe uh, that they could compete uh, against those teams and, you know, don't let the situation get any bigger than it is. It's, it's once again, it's just a game. It's a Mm -hmm. game. Let's play it as such. Uh, you know, the grind, you know, obviously the, the athletic side a little bit more than the academic side. Uh, but, you know, you have to kind of ride the highs and the lows. There's going to be points where, you know, 
at times in the game where you may not have your best stuff, but you have to continue to push through and, and eventually uh, get that signature win, which kind of then allows you to continue that momentum. You know, it happened to us a couple of years ago with soccer. We beat Sycamore for the first time in 14, 15 years, right at the end of the season, rolled us right into the tournament, got picked up two wins, right? Went to the district semis, uh, which we hadn't done in a long time. So, you know, those, getting them to believe that they're as capable and as, as you know, um, have the ability to, to pull out a win is that uh, really kind of is a, a big momentum pusher for them. And, you know, I think the kids are ready for it. Craig, do you sense that belief within the program, that the way they're performing and, the, and with all the experience they have coming back, that they're ready to, to climb over this mountain? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of um, extra time put in in the summer. Uh, which normally hasn't been like that in the past. And I think it's just because of the kids' dedication, uh, you know, with COVID and and all the restrictions in place and there wasn't a lot going on. The, the kids saw it as an opportunity to uh, prepare more uh, for the upcoming season. And, and I think it's going to pay off. Let's jump into the pool. And uh, your team was uh... – Teams were in a, a meet against Princeton uh, last week and uh, some very good results across the board on, on both sides of things there. Uh, we, and we saw the recap as well on uh, we are, we are uh, com. Craig, who stood out to, uh, who stood out to you there? Because we, and I know there's a lot of them because you had a lot of strong results there uh, across the board. Yeah. You know, a lot of our, um, a lot of the kids that have been performing or competing so far uh, had, had continued their ways last Tuesday um, and fared well in the pool. And we had a lot of uh, individual winners and relay winners. Um, I did want to point out that um, we have one particular student, Lauren Clippard, uh, who qualified for the state championships last year. She returned to the pool for us last Tuesday against Princeton. It was her first action of the season. Um, and, you know, obviously we're looking uh, for another big year out of her. You know, she was a freshman last year. She, she's in her sophomore year. Um, and this weekend for the program uh, is the GMC tournament or the GMC championships hosted at Mason High School. So we're looking for a big weekend uh, from the swim team at Mason High School this this Saturday. Craig, how much of a boost does Lauren give the team now that she's now that she's back into the swing of things? She she won the 200 free and the 100 back in the, in the meet against Princeton. What kind of shot in the arm does that give the team going into the GMC championship? I have to imagine it's pretty big. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like, like Mike pointed it out with other sports is you got a player or a, a person on your team who's as competitive as, as Lauren is or competes at the highest level and, you know, qualifying for state championship at, you know, her freshman year, mm -hmm. uh, definitely a boost to a team and, uh, you know, the overall excitement of, of the season. And, and here we are, we're, we're just a couple of days away from the GMC tournament and, and then before you know it, we'll have sectionals and districts, and, and that's really where the swim season takes off. It's the postseason. Mike, on your side of things, in in this perspective, how, how you've seen, I'm sure you've seen in, in your in your time uh, as a coach yourself, you know, players come in, you know, midway through the season for whatever the case may be, injury or whatever the case may be, they come in and particularly a youngster come in and make an impact right away. Give your team a shot in the arm right away. How can that? How does that serve your upperclassmen, your juniors, and your seniors when they see a youngster come in? You know, Lauren Clippard, her, her first meet in her sophomore year, and doing what she did there. How big of a boost can that give your upperclassmen to see? I got a youngster right behind me who's really, really good and is really coming and giving the team a boost right away. 
you know, I think it, it gives them, you know, some more validation and, you know, more motivation as a team that they can perform better overall. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a young kid gives, you know, some uh, gives you a future. Uh, and, you know, I think it also pushes those upperclassmen to say, hey, I don't, hey, you know, in a, in a different sports, maybe I don't want them to take my spot, but, you know, it kind of gives that drive and that motivation. Um, but, you know, I think it also gives you, you know, relevancy and it gives you, you know, um, the ability to know that you can compete with other teams. And, you know, especially if you're getting production from a young from a young player. So and a very good start to the season for her. And, you know, assume it won't be the last time we talk about her here on the show. And that would certainly be a, a good thing for sure. Let's move on and uh, talk about your uh, wrestling teams, because they're, uh, you know, they're doing very well right now as well. And we saw. Some uh, news come out with just recently that uh, two of your wrestlers named GMC Athletes of the Week, freshman Bryce Sears and sophomore Maui Nevis, both named GMC Athletes of the Week. Uh, Bryce has won seven of his last eight matches. Maui's won five of his last six. Uh, Craig, let me start with you. This is another situation where you have two youngsters coming in and right away making a pretty big impact uh, on your program. What has Coach Huber said about the progress of these two from the time they arrived in training camp until this point in the season? Well, I think for, uh, for wrestling in general, you know, it's been a little bit of a difficult beginning of the season just because of the nature of the sport and, and the concerns with, with, the, uh, with the virus. But having said that, you know, Coach Huber has done a really good job of filling uh, all the weight classes at the varsity level. And, and I think with this year in particular, with, with uh, COVID and the protocols, but I think, you know, lately it's you don't really see a varsity team roll in for a dual match with all 14 weight classes. And that's where you get the addition of Bryce Sears, um, you know, those those smaller weight classes. And and like I said, our coaching staff does a really good job of making sure we are prepared to win at every weight class and we can be competitive at every weight class. Um, and I think like I I've said this at the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we got high expectations for the wrestling team this season and, and uh, we're a couple of weeks away from the postseason, and it's going to be exciting to see what they do in the next few weeks. Yeah. As you said, it, it's been a, it's, this is one of the more challenging sports to try and pull a season off. And so far uh, we've done it to uh, this point. What's on the docket this coming week. I look at we and I see scheduled, uh, try matches with Hamilton and Moeller and then Lebanon, a duel on Friday, uh, which is going to be senior night there. And then a scheduled try match on a Saturday. Are those still on the, on the books as of now? Yeah, it's a really big week for them. Um, like you mentioned, you know, we're, we're in several try matches with league schools and non-league schools, but every league school that we, that we duel against, whether it's a try match or a duel, it counts for our league standings, uh, which is different than the years past. Um, normally they have a tournament at the end of the season. Um, but this year they are, they're doing like a regular season schedule, just like our other sports. So you got Hamilton, uh, Middletown, and then they, they actually wrestle Lakota East on Saturday at Fairmont. Uh, they wrestled Lakota West last week and I think they won 45 to 30 or 45, 26, um, very solid win there against Lakota West. And, uh, they've already picked up wins against Sycamore. And uh, Princeton, um, they fell to Mason. So right now they're three and one in the GMC, and they could be uh, potentially uh, 
six and one by the end of this week, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, no doubt, especially with the postseason looming. It's good to get get into top form as close as you can anyway uh, with the postseason just around the corner here. Uh, lastly on the show, uh, another a big event coming up here uh, very soon at Coleraine High School, and it's a big event every year given the quality of athletes you put out in the fall, winter, and the spring, and that is uh, signing day. A lot, a lot of a lot of student athletes going to be putting pen to paper and you know put making it formal and where they're going to continue their athletic careers at the next level. Uh, Mike, take us through uh, everything we can expect on signing day when it arrives. Uh, so signing day is next Wednesday. Uh, however, we have a uh, we have remote days on Wednesday, so we've decided to uh, push it to Thursday. Uh, and we've decided after the previous signing days that, that we would like to bring some of the kids in and, and do the actual formal process. Uh, so on Thursday, uh, we will be bringing in next Thursday, we'll bring in and like time, 10 minutes, time slots, uh, each of the athletes and a couple of their family members in order to sign their uh, letters of intent. Um, just, we felt it was, it was the right time to, to bring them in, uh, in the previous ones, we had decided that we, we didn't feel comfortable bringing them into the school, but as things have kind of gone on, we've decided that, uh, maybe that was the best to give them that honor, to give them that, uh, notoriety that, uh, that a lot of some of the other schools have done. So we decided that it would be in our best interest, their best interest that we could uh, offer that to them. So more information for that coming out, uh, by the end of the, end of the day today. Uh, so, uh, hopefully we'll have a big write up and everything uh coming on the website here next week so craig what what do you anticipate that being like for you as an athletic director given everything we've had to go through and and even having to move signing day back so the kids can have the formal ceremony to see these kids and everything they've had to go through even just this year to be able to put pen to paper to formally signify where they're going to be attending college and continuing their athletic careers how will that be for you as the athletic director Oh, it's great. It's one of the uh, the ceremonies or the, one of the events that we really look forward to each year. I think like Mike pointed out, you know, in the fall, we didn't feel comfortable uh, with, with uh, bringing folks into the building. Um, I know a lot of other schools felt the same way, mm-hmm. uh, but now that we're in February and we've been through a winter season, which is product, which is indoor, uh, you know, and, and we've been pretty safe throughout the season. So we're at a point where we can, invite families into the school and, and um, give them their 10 to 15 minute kind of window of, of opportunity to celebrate their, their, uh, you know, the, their senior season, not only their senior season, but, you know, their high school career. And for those that are going to play at the next level, uh, it's just a, a good little ceremony to put together for the coaches, the family and the student athlete to celebrate their, their career and wish them the best of luck uh, next year competing at the collegiate level. Well, well-deserved uh, bit of recognition for the student athletes. And I think also too, for the coaches as well, for everything the coaches had to go through, I'm sure they, they're going to get some, you know, really nice gratification uh, out of signing day, which will come next Thursday. When we touch a little bit more on that on a next week's show, but for right now, we are out of time on this episode here. And Craig, Mike, certainly appreciate the time and uh, we'll look forward to doing Thank it you. again all next, next week. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. That is Colerain Athletic Director Craig Ulan and Assistant AD Mike Wiseman joining us here on the all-new WeAreColerain.com for this week in Colerain Cardinals Athletics here on ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports.